Thank you guys, and good to see you. Glad that you all are here. And uh, I'm glad that I get two services because I think I can do a better job with my message this service than the last service. Not that the last service was bad, but, you know, sometimes you figure out what works and what flows really well. And so, you know, sometimes that first service is my test pilot service, right? And sometimes I'm better at the first service than I am the second service. So we'll just see what God wants to do. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as God's here and we get challenged and get the word, right? And uh, that's what's going to happen, and he's already here. So I'm glad that you guys are here. Real quick, before I jump into the message, I want to remind you that we're having an incredible New Year's conference. We're bringing in a lot of real fathers in the faith, a lot of people that have impacted the kingdom of God for a very long time, especially in worship. We're having Leonard Jones, who's been a worship leader at Morningstar for as longer than I have been a Christian, and he's a real father in the faith when it comes to worship and a uh, super prophetic guy, just an incredible worship leader. You can check him out. He's going to be all over uh, iTunes or, you know, check out Morningstar Worship, Leonard Jones. And then I did confirm that Dana Diaz is going to lead a worship set while she's here. Uh, that originally wasn't in the plan, but uh, D- Dana's coming with Jose, so she's going to lead. If you haven't heard Dana Diaz, she has an album out called All Eyes Are On Him, which we've listened to every night for five straight years. Um, my kids love to listen to that album, Going to Bed. Um, and we actually only start with the last half because the first half is like rock and loud, you know. And so she'll lead a set. Then Chris Burns will be here. Jason Lee Jones will be here. So we're bringing in, like, it's going to be explosive worship. And I would really encourage you guys to make the time to be here. Brad McClendon, Jose Diaz, Rob Carmen is going to be here, which I'm excited, bringing him into the mix. And uh, who am I? Am I missing somebody? Is that it? I feel like I'm missing someone. But uh, anyway, this year is going to start on New Year's Eve. So cancel your parties, cancel your clubs, cancel your going out with all your drinking buddies and come to the house and drink here of what the Lord has for you. Uh, Back in the day, I could have never imagined that I would be in church on New Year's Eve. So many, many, many years ago, a few lifetimes ago, But I remember when God transitioned me away from the parties and the clubs, he's like, I want you to ring in the new year in my house with a fresh perspective on the new year by worshiping in the new year. And so I would invite all of you to be here. We're going to have a balloon drop. Hopefully the balloons drop this year. Last year we were pulling on the strings and they wouldn't come down and they were hitting us in the head. We'll have hats and noisemakers. Invite your kids. It is going to be fun and wild and we'll be dancing and it's just going to be a really great time. And uh, all the, the, the guys will be here and all their wives. We're going to actually have a women's panel led by my wife. Uh, Amber's going to lead a women's panel on Saturday night, but it's open to the whole church, so there'll be a women's panel that night. And uh, it's going to be, so two sessions on Thursday night. There'll be a one-hour break for dinner, and we are going to order in Jason's Deli for those of you that want to stay here instead of going somewhere, and we can all, you all can eat together. And then we'll have a second session, which will ring in the new year. So 7 to 9, 10 to midnight, roughly. And then off on Friday day, but we'll have a Friday night service, a Saturday day, a Saturday night, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday night. That's a lot of services. But we only do two conferences a year. Our summer conference got pushed to the fall, which we just had. And then we have our New Year's conference. So I would really encourage you guys to be here if you can, all right? All right. You guys ready? Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you so much for your presence, your power. Holy Spirit, we invite you and welcome you here. I pray that you'd speak to every one of our hearts, wherever we're at, whatever we're facing, going through, any questions that we have. I pray for anybody here who's going through a difficult time, struggling with fears, worries, doubts, addictions, uncertainties, lies, disbelief. Lord, watching online and joining together with us from their homes. Thank you so much, God, for the community that you've given us here and all over the world. Thank you for Flower Bluff, Texas, Corpus Christi, Texas, every city that everyone lives in who's watching right now, and our nation. Thank you that our nation belongs to you, and the devil's a liar. That, Lord, you call the nations by name, and you know them. And, Lord, you know what you want to do in our nation. There's so many great sons and daughters. You've got a great family here. So, Lord, have your way, even when things seem to, do, to not go the way that we think they should, that, Lord, we'd know you always have a much bigger and a better plan. So do what you do best, Lord. Help us to walk in love. Help us to be comforted, to trust you, break fears and lies, and bring perfect peace to every situation that anybody here is going through. We love you. We thank you. And I thank you for the word that you've given all of us. And may I speak it boldly and confidently. And may we walk out of here different than when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I'm not going to miss my words today. I'm going to shoot you straight. All of you have a call and a destiny in your life, and many of you are living less than in what God's called you to do. Some of you are just barely hanging on. You're barely making it, and you've got question marks everywhere around your life of what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to get there. Some of you have had prophecies about your life since you were young. God has told you things about what you're going to do. You've had dreams. You've had visions. You've had somebody come up and speak to you and encourage you in something. Or you've had a glimpse from God himself that tells you something you're supposed to do. And the question is, how do I get there? The question is going to be, what do I need to do to fully fulfill God's purpose and plan and destiny and call on my life, especially when I'm unsure or uncertain? Does anybody have any of those questions? Does any of you want to do everything God's called you to do, but you're not sure how to do it? or how to get there, or you've got glimpses and ideas. Many of you have gotten words that you're supposed to pastor or be an evangelist. Many of you have gotten words that you're prophetic and you're supposed to speak encouragement and comfort and edification into people's lives. That's New Testament prophecy, by the way. Many of you have gotten words that you're called to be missionaries to the nations. Many of you have had dreams of casting demons out of people and deliverance and spiritual warfare. In my early days of being a Christian, I lived in Miami, Florida. I did not have a church like this. I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. And I had all... I had experiences of being pinned down to my bed where I can't move and I would call out to Jesus and a spirit would leave. I had all these crazy encounters that were really supernatural early on and I didn't know what to do with them. But I knew God was teaching me, speaking to me, and wanting me to do something. For the last two Wednesdays, which is why I believe Wednesdays are really important. I don't always teach on Wednesdays. But the last few Wednesdays I have, and I've connected the dots from the time I got born again and knew that I was called to be a pastor from that time 28 years ago to today. And I know a lot of you missed it, and I will tell those stories again. But I want to see you step into the more God has for you. Why? Because God is going to move mightily on the face of the earth through his bride and through his church. There's a great harvest coming. I realize in the natural many things look gloomy and bleak. 
from a natural standpoint, but you have to understand the darker the world gets, the brighter your light shines. Let's say that. The darker the world gets, the brighter my light shines. Okay, Jesus called you the light of the world, not the darkness of the world. Okay? And so if we're going to shine brighter and the world's getting darker, we have to really understand how does God position and promote me and what does God want to do in my life? All right? Now, I can't answer all those questions in this short message, but I can give you some things that will keep you in, in position for when God wants to promote you. All right? Let's say this together. This is a quote from one of my last pastors a couple pastors ago, Pastor Joel Budd in Tulsa, Oklahoma from Rivergate Church. He says we're going to say it together. There's no time for preparation. When promotion comes, it's either ready or not. So if I wanted to call on you, Trey, and say, Trey, I got a great job for you to do here in the church, and I got a bunch of people I need you to invest into and teach and train and equip. If you're not ready and you don't have it inside of you, I won't be able to promote you. But one day I would like to. And so now's the time for you to prepare yourself. Think about Joseph for, an ex for a moment. Joseph was ridiculed and slandered and lied with jealousy from his brothers. He was favored by his dad. He had these incredible dreams. He starts blabbing his dreams to all his brothers, and in turn, it gets him into trouble, and his brothers uh, start in jealousy to the story prince of Egypt, right? Threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, human trafficking. He gets sold to Egypt, goes to Egypt, and in turn, he gets bought by Potiphar, and he starts working in Potiphar's house. He's got great favor, really entrusted, and Potiphar's hot wife falls for him and says, look, I want to sleep with you and have an affair, and Joseph keeps denying her, denying her, denying her, and in turn, when he runs away, she grabs his clothes and then lies about him, slanders about him, and throws him into prison. I'm summarizing the story. He said, I'm not going to sin against God. The challenge is many men, if they were sold into slavery, lied to, slandered, uh, robbed and stolen from in so many ways probably would have slept with Potiphar's wife, okay? But not Joseph. Joseph honored the Lord. And in turn, what happened? Potiphar finds out about it. The wife lies. He gets thrown into prison. Did he ever? Through dreams. He's learning from his own dreams what God's saying. And then he starts interpreting dreams for other people. He finds favor, and he gets put in charge of all the prisoners, even in prison. So God always promoted him, even when he was in a place of obscurity and darkness and hardship. And so if you're going through something difficult right now, what I want you to know is God still wants to use you, and he still wants to promote you. But we got to get you prepared. My job is to get you prepared. My job is to train you, equip you, so that when God wants to promote you, because all promotion comes from the Lord, you're ready. All right? My job is to make you ready. Our job is to make you ready. The pastors, the church, this community is designed to train, equip, prepare, empower, and send you, not hold you back. You don't, there's nothing from you that I want to take. Nothing. The only thing I want from you is for you to be who God's called you to be. It's not about your money. It's not about more people in the seats. It's about me empowering you into your own ministry. Now, your own ministry is going to fit together in a body of Christ. You'll do things privately, and you'll do things publicly, okay? But I want to see you become everything that you're called to become. 
And that looks like something. I didn't just suddenly get here. It was 28 years of not giving up, failures, mistakes, overcoming, dreams, questions, lied to, called names. It was me never backing down for 28 years. It was me submitting to multiple pastors for extended periods of time. It was me actively serving and getting involved. And I can't really take any credit for what God God did, except that I stayed in position and I wasn't rebellious. Okay, now rebellious means something. Stubbornness means something. And I'm going to show you here in a moment how rebelliousness and stubbornness in God's eyes is as the sin of witchcraft and divination and idolatry. Okay? Now, I don't want you to be stubborn. I want you to say yes to everything that God has for you, just like King David did. And that's who we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about King David. And we're going to talk about how King David received promotion by being in position when no one was watching. We're going to talk about how King David was despised by his own family. In fact, he said, I'm a foreigner in my own family. He had a broken family situation, but God still used it. And he received a promise that ultimately would make him the greatest king in Israel and lead to the lineage of the Messiah. It's powerful. But what he did in private when no one saw was extremely important. Extremely important. Because God sees everything. Let's say that. God sees everything. All right? Now, even though God sees everything and sees what I don't see in private, I can see it in you when you become, when you step into the public. Can you recognize when somebody spends a lot of time with the Lord? I would be amiss to to preach and share the word and lead this church and my family if I didn't spend lots of quality time with the Lord. Literally, my wife and I make it a priority every day. She gets up, she gets her coffee, she gets her breakfast, and she goes and has at least an hour, if not more, of quiet time with the Lord. Then when she comes back, I go have my quiet time with the Lord. We work as a team. Because if our cups aren't full and we're not hearing from God's voice and spending time in the word and living a private, secret, hidden life, how will we be any good for our family, our, each other, our kids, my, me as an employer? And I may sound like a broken record, but if you want to get promoted to what God has for you, you will ne- no one gets to bypass the process of intimacy with That's the Lord. Right. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Because I can tell you right now, and I've said this many times, I've never had anybody say to me, man, I spend so much time with the Lord. I read his word. God's been speaking to me. I hear his voice. I got downloads. And pastor, I'm so depressed. (laughs) It doesn't fit, right? It doesn't work that way. I'm so confused. God's voice, God's not the author of confusion. And I understand confused. on it either. I'm not more special than you. God doesn't love me more than you, although I am his favorite, just so that you know. Everybody say, I'm his favorite, right? So there's no time for preparation when promotion comes. I learned this a long time ago from a pastor, and then I learned it from all the patriarchs. Think about Moses. When God showed up at the burning bush, he said, you're going to go set my people free. Ready or not, here I am. Think about um, Elijah. Even though Elijah battled depression and suicidal thoughts, 
thinking he was alone, he wasn't. God saw what was going on in his private life, and when God called him to prophesy against King Ahab and Jezebel, it was ready or not, and he was ready. The list goes on and on. Think about Esther for a moment. I mean, Esther saved the entire nation. It was ready or not for Esther when she came before the king. Think about Daniel. Every time Daniel came before the king, it was ready or not. And when he was thrown into the lion's den or when his friends were thrown into the fiery furnace, they had already had a preparation and a readiness to face those trials. All of you are going to face trials. All of you are going to face hardships. All of you are going to go through difficult situations. All of us are going to have questions and uncertainty. So I want you to be proactive, not reactive. React. You know what reactive is? Reactive is, I wasn't ready for this situation. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to react with the emotion and the feeling in the moment instead of being so tight-knit with the Lord in advance that I know exactly what to say and do in that situation because I'm secure and I'm confident. I'm going to teach you a word today that's used in the Bible called um, performance. God uses it in the context of performing his commandments. This is very important for you to learn this. In the natural realm, if I say you need to perform, the first thing that we think of is I need to measure up. But that's not what the word perform means in the Bible in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, the word perform means that when the going gets tough, I stand up instead of shrinking back. It means that God has put an anointing on my life and a call to do something. And when I'm called upon, I rise up and I stand up instead of pull away. Think of how much trouble and hardship is in our lives and in the world around us. God wants people that don't shrink back but lean in. I remember when I was sitting at the car wash over on Staples a long time ago. A, guy, a lady was walking to the bathroom uh, in a walker, and a, a worker slammed the door open. As she was walking to the door, it hit her and knocked her down to the ground, broke her hip. And I'm standing there, or I'm actually sitting in the chairs waiting for my car to go through. Instead of saying, well, somebody else will handle that, I arose and stood up in the moment to the occasion, and I ran over to her, And I huddled down around her, and people were freaking out and yelling, and I laid hands on her, and I prayed for her right there. And I made sure she was comforted. I made sure she knew she was okay, and I told her that the Lord was with her. She never forgot that. She's called me several times since then to say thank you. She'll never forget that day. I was, she called me her angel that was there for her. I ran too. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had to lean in instead of shrink back. We need a world of Christians that lean in and don't pull away. You're an army in the, in the marketplace. You're an army in the streets. And God will give you countless opportunities. And there are many times that God has said, I want you to go talk to that person. And my heart started pounding. I'm like, no, Lord, not here. Not, and I didn't do it. And you know what? God gave me another chance. Because he kept bringing the convictions until finally I said yes. But today I want to talk with you about the difference between rejecting the Lord and being stubborn and unwilling versus making mistakes in the midst of your process. What was the difference between David, King David, and King Saul? 
Think about it for a moment. King Saul was self-willed. King David was God-willed. In fact, King David made a worse mistake, way worse mistakes than Saul did. But Saul had his kingdom ripped, his kingship ripped from him. While David was called a man after God's own heart. Why? That's right, because when Saul got busted, I'm going to read it to you here in a minute. Saul played the victim. He blamed it on somebody else. He lied. And then he did the worst thing he could do. He said, oh, I actually did it so we could sacrifice to the Lord. How many times have we taken God's name in vain and said, this is for God? And really, we're living in compromise and hypocrisy many times. And I don't want this church to be like that. I don't want you to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Right? If I was disingenuous and insincere and a hypocrite, first off, I wouldn't be here. But second of all, I have a wife who's like an eagle. Seriously. I can't pull the shade over my wife's eyes. She's extremely discerning. And then I have this one. (laughs) Seriously. And then I have her husband. And then I have, what, nine elders. And then I have Brad and Kevin and Chisholm and I have all these people. And then I have you. Right? I think the reason why God keeps us together is because we like it raw, real, and in the light. I can handle your screw-ups and mistakes. So can God. But what God doesn't like is rejection, obstinance, unwillingness, and uh, true rebelliousness. Right. So we got to check our hearts. We got to check our hearts. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. So let's talk about that. Today, I'm going to teach you a little bit from 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to talk about King David for a moment and King Saul. You guys ready? Now, I can't answer every question about what it is that you're going to do. I can get glimpses with you and for you. I discover with you. When I meet with people and they come to my office, many times they come in thinking they're going to the principal's office and like I'm going to either reprimand them or tell you exactly what you're supposed to. I don't know. Okay, I met with Maria and Marlene and we were meeting and she's questioning her future about where she's supposed to go and what she's supposed to do. And I didn't have a direct like, thus saith the Lord, you are supposed to... Go get your PhD. You know what I did? I got my whiteboard out and I wrote vision board. And I said, tell me your dreams. Tell me what you're good at. Tell me what God's shown you. Give me your prophecies. And let's war with those. And I wrote out this whole whiteboard about what's the ultimate vision of our life and what has God been saying. It's not like there's a black and white. Now, a prophet can come and the prophet can say to you, you're called to be a pastor, which Prophet Kevin tells a lot of you that. And there's a lot of different types of pastors. There's lay pastors, there's senior pastors, there's care pastors, there's family pastors. In fact, deacons, a real deacon is a pastor. We don't call them deacons here, we call them team leaders. Every team leader functions as a deacon here. And so the question is, is what gift set has God put inside of you and how can we work together to find out? It's a discovery process. Let's everybody say this. Say, I'm in discovery. discovery. 
the fastest way to resolve the question mark on your life is to realize I'm in discovery. Now, if you're impatient like my wife is, who wants the answers now, right, you're like combusting because it's like, man, it's been five years and God hasn't shown me. I'm like, well, maybe God will show you in the sixth year. Maybe it'll be the seventh year. Are you going to give up? You can never give up. She's not going to give up. But she's so driven. She's so full of creative ideas. She's on overload most of the time. And then what happens is, is when somebody like her with her personality or some of you gets on overload, you just don't do anything or you don't even know what to do. And then you do a lot of different things part way, right? Any of you feel like that? So the essence of my message today for all of you here and watching online is that preparation always happens in the private and God always sees you in the private. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. Nothing. And it's like, man, when I screw up or I did something I shouldn't do, I just already am like, God, you already knew. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm sorry. I'm, I repent. I don't want to live that way. That's what God looks for. He looks for a heart that always runs to him and not from him. But some of you have been hurt. You've had pastors treat you bad. Your parents or, or an ex-lover or an ex-relationship. You've been shamed. You've been bitten twice. And so you're like, I'm never going to do that. And you're pulling away instead of staying in the pocket and leaning in. God looks for people that always lean in that don't pull away. And the best place you can lean in is in the private. So let's compare for a moment, Saul versus David. You guys ready? Are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. Saul had continuously been suspicious about everyone around him. From the day that Saul was anointed to be king, he was running and hiding and questioning and insecure. He was very insecure. Not only was he insecure, he was spiritually degenerate, meaning that Saul did not have the principles and the insight and the passion and the understanding and the personal character to fully live up to his position. But that wasn't what caused Saul to lose his kingship. Some of you are insecure. Some of you are not where you're supposed to be spiritually, right? Some of us are battling shame, failures, inadequacies. God says, I'm going to do something great in your life, or he comes to give you something. You say, no, don't, no, 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 I'm not going to receive that. Like you have trouble receiving or believing in your own self. That can be like Saul, right? And if that's you, you're in the right place. God heals that. God comforts that. God's, that wasn't what cost Saul. What cost Saul was that he was disobedient and unwilling. He was unwilling and he was disobedient to obey the Lord and that's what cost him his kingship. Here's why. He lied, he disobeyed, and then he tried to cover up his story by blaming the soldiers for his own actions. So here's the story. I'll just paraphrase the previous chapter for you. You should go read 15 and 16. There's so many key lessons. Like you could write whole entire leadership books just on these two chapters. So I'm just going to sum it up for you. 
in chapter 15, Samuel shows up to Saul and says, look, you're in charge. I've anointed you. God put you as king over Israel. And, the, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go destroy the Amalekites. Destroy the entire tribe of the Amalekites and don't take anything for yourself. No sheep, no gold, no silver, nothing. Now you say, why would God want to do that? Well, first off, you have to realize that in particular, this one tribe, the Amalekites, was a nomadic tribe, and God had serious issue with them. The Amalekites attacked the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt, and specifically, they attacked the weakest, the crippled, the lame, those that were falling behind. So they would attack from the rear, and they would kill those that could not defend themselves, especially those that were already weak. And that really ticked God off. So much so that God says, I want you to wipe them out. Don't take anything for yourself. So Saul goes and with this couple hundred thousand foot soldiers and army, and he attacks them. They wipe everyone out except the king, King Agag. He takes King Agag as a prisoner of war, and then all the soldiers take the gold, the silver, the sheep, and the lambs, and the best things for themselves. So then Samuel shows up and says, hey, what's going on? And Saul lies. We did exactly as you told. And so first thing, he lies and covers it up. And then Samuel says, well, then why am I hearing sheep and lambs in the background? Yeah, it's a terrible cover-up, right? But the point is, is he lied. So then he goes, then again, he tries to protect and defend himself, and he plays the victim. The soldiers did it. Oh, but by the way, really, we took the, sh the, the sheep and the lambs because we were going to sacrifice them to the Lord. That's a massive lie and scandal as the king. So he did not, and you can go read it, it says, he did not perform my commandments. Okay? Perform is not so much the concept of measuring up. It's he did not arise to the occasion and do as I told him to do as a leader. He cannot be proven. He cannot be trusted. And therefore, I can't keep that person in position. Amen. Okay? Mm -hmm. Literally, God said that Saul had turned away from following the Lord and did not stand up to who he was called to be. And Samuel says this in chapter 15, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Heeding and obedience are more important. In fact, those are the best sacrifice is a life yielded fully to God's heartbeat. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, also known as divination, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. So, to recap, God delights in obedience more than sacrifice, specifically obedience to his word, his voice, his guidance, and his direction. God's always wanting to lead you, guide you, and speak to you. Now, some of you say, well, God doesn't speak to me. I don't hear God's voice. God's not speaking to me. You know what I say to that? 
God gave you 66 love letters that tells you exactly what he wants to say and what he wants to do. And there's never a time that you, you can be without knowing what God wants you to do. Just read the Bible. In fact, when you read the word, God speaks on top of the word, and then you begin to hear his voice when you spend time with him privately. So we have to spend personal quality time reading the word and in turn, worshiping and listening to his voice. When we stubbornly reject God's divine guidance, and what does reject mean, by the way? To reject means to despise, refuse, disdain, and be unprincipled. You're like a wild Mustang that never can be broken. And so God keeps trying to break you over and over and over again. And you just refuse to be broken. Rebellion is also called bitterness. Bitterness leads to a hard heart. And bitterness leads you to resist authority. That's what rebelliousness is. It means I'm not submitted to God's headship and authority. Saul was determined to do it his way. And for whatever reason, I can't think about why people would resist God's headship and authority, except you had jacked up church, jacked up parents, jacked up religion. You've got a skewed view of who God really is. I would say anybody that doesn't know the Lord doesn't really know how awesome he is. Duh. Duh. So we have to show them how awesome he is. But we have to be submitted and not reject his headship. Who else did Saul reject? He rejected Samuel. God uses kingdom government authority for a reason. And many times God will actually put you under a Saul. And they'll throw spears at you. And they'll want to kill you. And God says, don't even cut the hem of their garment. Because... If you read, I won't say much on it today, but at the very end of chapter 16, when David gets summoned to stand before King Saul, guess what he had to first become? His worship leader and his armor bearer. And then it says that David found favor in the eyes of Saul. I'll just pause for a minute and recommend an incredible book to every single one of you here. If you haven't read this book, you must read this book. It's an easy read. You'll, you'll probably be able to read it in about 45 minutes. It's a book I always go back to, and it's a book I highly encourage everyone to read, and it's called The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. One of the most incredible books to help you understand that whether somebody is a Saul or whether they're a David, God still calls you to love and serve and trust him because promotion comes through brokenness, Promotion comes through trusting the Lord and being faithful wherever God puts you. I highly recommend you read that book. When we stubbornly reject God's divine guidance, it's called rebellion. Some of us, some of us need to forgive. I've had pastors call me an Absalom. I've had people call me a cult leader. I've had people slander this church. I've had people tell me my, my walk with the Lord. Some of my own family members tell me it's just a crutch. It's never going to last. You're going to have people persecute you and say things about you. You're going to have people come against you. But I want to encourage you. Trust the Lord no matter what it is that you're facing and be faithful with the little when no one's watching. Don't be bitter. Anybody that's hurt you did not know what they were doing. Even in the natural, if it seems like, man, they knew what they were doing, you have to understand 
Anything outside of God's perfect design and plan is ignorance, and it means that they're deceived. They don't really know the Lord. And Jesus hung on the cross for every one of those people. It doesn't mean it's okay that what they did to you. I want you to know that. It doesn't mean some of those people should not be in prison. I want you to understand that. Pedophiles should be locked up. But pedophiles can get healed. They can get born again. And they can come out of prison strong, mighty in the Lord. They're just not going to serve in the children's ministry. Just so that you know. But, but every God's a God of a million chances. You have to realize that. So don't allow yourself to be rebellious or stubborn. You know why he says it's as the, as the sin of idolatry? Because if you're rebellious, rejecting, and stubborn, who are you putting your trust in? Not the Lord. I be, you become your own God. And it's idolatry to the Lord. It's basically as divination. So please, I'm, I'm begging you, do not rebel against God. And do not rebel against his commandments. It's like witchcraft. It happens in our marriage. If I'm rebellious against my wife and stubborn against my wife, which I have been, I'm allowing witchcraft to literally come into my marriage and into my home. Okay? Ultimately, it's because we reject the word of the Lord that God would remove us from positions and promotions, not because you're insecure, doubting, struggling, making mistakes, stumbling along. If you keep running back to the Lord in repentance, God sees your heart. People come to me all the time, and they tell me, man, pastor, I'm struggling with major pornography. And I said, well, that's not who you are. First off, the fact that you would even come and talk to me shows me that God's working in your life. If you're pleading and crying out to the Lord for mercy and forgiveness, God's working in your life. You're not, Saul. Stop listening to those lies. Everybody say, I'm in process and I'm in discovery. Now, process means maturity. If I was smoking fat joints and getting blasted, bombed, drunk, and looking at porn nightly after my wife goes to bed, would that be okay? Would God forgive me? Should I be in the position of this pulpit? No. Well, yeah, but I would, I would say that there's some things, like, for example, if I committed adultery, I would need to step down. Okay, so there are some things that you just have to understand with the positions that you're given are not okay. And that puts a fear inside my heart. It's a fear of God. And it's a healthy fear of God. It's a fear of God that keeps me accountable. It's a fear of God that keeps me in the light. So I, I share things, but I have incredible people around me so that I don't get goofy. I live my life out loud, and I'm very loud. Very loud. Okay. <clears throat> what does God care about more? Our Sunday church attendance and good religious outward appearances, our claim to be a Christian in the public while we live hypocritically in the private, or being honest, transparent, and willing to honor the convictions and be obedient to what God says to do. You know, obedience is a touchy subject to talk about in church because a lot of pastors and movements and religions hit obedience from a very dysfunctional standpoint. You can't obey without first having 
been born again and having faith and trusting God. Obedience before faith is putting the cart before the horse. So first, I want to get you to grow and hear God's voice and learn to take up your cross and deny yourselves and follow Jesus, right? Following Jesus is an obedience thing. And so I don't hit the obedience thing hard, but I would be amiss as your pastor to tell you, God wants to do great things in your life. Yeah, you got a great call on your life, but you're living like the devil and you're not being obedient to what God's telling you to do. Okay? And I want you to be positioned for the promotion that God has for you. We have to step up. Everybody say, I have to step up when I'm called upon. Can I call upon you? Can God call upon you and not shrink back? Arising to the occasion, allowing yourself to be proven, will be willing to, and being willing to endure all hardship and all that is asked of you. You have to be proven. God, God saw me in the private a long, long, long time ago and still to this day sees you in the private. God builds the relationship with you in the private, but then he proves you in the public. Now, go back to that verse in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. You guys okay? I know that's heavy stuff. But we're not here for itchy ears. We're here to grow. We're here to be trained and equipped and prepared. Go to the next verse. I mean, the next screen. I want you to see this word where God says, I have provided myself a king. I have provided myself a king. It's very important that you see that. The word provided in the Hebrew means I have looked, I have seen, I have inspected, I've considered, I've distinguished, and I've approved. Where did God first see David and approve him? Not when he was king, when he was privately shepherding the sheep when no one was watching. And we know several things about David. He had to kill a lion and a bear and protect the sheep. And he was a harp player. He was a musician. And he would be by himself most of the time. He was an outcast in his own family. His mother, uh, uh, legend has it that his mother, who's not even mentioned in the Bible, was an adulterer. So God even uses broken families and jacked up situations to pick you. He picks the least and the weakest and the broken. And so David, when no one was watching, would be faithful tending the sheep and having to overcome those personal giants when no one was watching. It's something we all have to overcome, guys, men and women. Nobody gets a bypass. You can do it. I'll be your biggest champion. You can do this. So God saw and provided for himself. He's the one who promotes and provides for himself. He's the one who always sees in private and in secret the place when no one's watching. That's the place that requires the most faithfulness. When you're going through your hardest time and you've worked full time and everything's pulling on you and it's at the end of the day and it's dark and you're alone and your flesh is crying out, you run to the word and you cry out to God in prayer and worship and intercession and you put some headphones on and you get some worship on and you get IHOP on or whatever it is that you have to do and instead of clicking around, you're running to the king. Instead of depression and fear and anxiety, think of Joseph again. Every patriarch had to overcome the same hurdles and obstacles, 
Even Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet he overcame. And he understands when you fall short and you fail. The key is to always run back after him and never give up. God's always searching and looking. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. They run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. I shared this with you last week. God's looking for loyal hearts. It's a heart issue. I make a lot of mistakes. I make mistakes in my marriage or with my friends. or I, There's so many things I wish I could do differently that sometimes I feel like I'm falling short in. But you know what? My heart's loyal. God wants a loyal heart. This is what he said to Saul when Saul screwed up the first time in 1 Samuel 13. He said, 1 Samuel 13, 14, your kingdom's not going to continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. So God always looks for us to be men and women after his heart. Now, I'm going to conclude with this. I'm not going to read the whole story because, again, there's so much to it. But you all should know how David was anointed by Samuel and that Samuel, when he came on Jesse, brothers were brought first and many times Samuel said that's got to be the one they were tall handsome firstborn all the right natural looking qualities on the outside and God tells Samuel don't I don't see as you see I see the heart not the outward appearance that's why tattoos don't freak me out your outward appearance doesn't freak me out the worst of the worst we have people that come here with tattoos all over their face and have been in prison and part of gangs you know what I see those people and I say, man, if I can flame you on, you know what you can do in this city? Because there's thousands of young men, thousands of young men that got swooped up into gangs and had no self-esteem and value for themselves, tattooed up their faces to prove something to somebody else. And now they've come out of prison and they don't want to live that way anymore. And they want to live for Jesus, but people see them and don't accept them. I'm not okay with that here. Don't be that person, please. And don't be freaked out and pull your kids away. And No, We're, we lean in to love people. We got to teach our kids to love the worst of the worst of the worst because many of us were the worst of the worst of the worst. And that's what God does. He saves the worst. And then he makes them their favorite. Wouldn't it be awesome to see somebody with tattoos all over their body and their face walking around with joy, fire up, saying, I'm God's favorite? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> all, Crimson's awesome. What if they were on the prayer partner team? Some people might not come back. No, I'm not kidding. That really bothers me. Because God sees the heart. You got to stop writing people off based on their appearances. David was the youngest and the least. So the, the, the seven go by. And what happens? God says, nope, 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 next, 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 next. And then finally says, is there another? And 
You know what uh, Jesse says? Oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, man, I forgot my, my illegitimate son. There he is keeping the sheep. Let's say this. Say, Lord, make me a sheep keeper. The fastest way to promotion, take care of God's sheep. What did God say when he restored Peter? Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, yes, I love you to no end. And he was saying phileo love, not agape love. He says, oh, well, then feed my sheep. And then he says it again. Do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, man, we're, we're, we're tight. Like you're my, Jesus is my homeboy. Drives me nuts, that shirt. Sorry if you have it. It's like Jesus is not your homeboy. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's not some, you know, fun little product. Sorry, guys. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you and me, we got that phileo love going on. He says, then feed my lambs. And then he says it third time, and Peter gets irritated, but finally gets it. Do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. He says, if you love me, be like David and go tend my sheep. You can't not tend God's sheep, guys. It would be so much easier for Amri. We have this incredible life. You got to realize I came from prison in the streets. And today we have some land and we have donkeys and goats and chickens and quail and ducks and dogs and cats. And what am I missing? I'm sure I'm missing something. Lions and tigers and bears. Yeah. We could live our nice little yuppie. We got our coffee shops. I can make way more money just doing coffee. I could open five or six more shops. Man, I could really be rolling and say, forget this. I got two little kids. We got, we're as busy as anybody could be busy. But we would be miserable and miss God's plan and design if we were not taking care of God's people. You can't live a life under yourself. You got to give away what God gives you and cultivate it in the private guys. Nobody gets to bypass it. And the, if you, the, the longer you go without spending time with the Lord and spending time in his word, the less faith you have and the drier you become. And I, don't, I, I have to be careful with this message because I don't, I'm not trying to put works on you. We're not doing it so we can get something. We're doing it because we love someone. And I love you. I love you. And if I'm going to create something or build something together with God for our children and our families and your future, if I get to stand at your altar one day to see you get married, I want to see you so equipped and prepared to be wives that you're called to become. I could look all over the sanctuary, husbands and wives and families and children, your daughter. What are they going to see from church in five years and 10 years? Will they leave? Will they run off to liberal universities and walk away from God? Or will they be like Catherine when she goes to Baylor? She's going to go so equipped. She's been standing at the altar, worshiping her face off. She'll probably be outcasted from most of the churches she goes to because she'll be too wild. Seriously, she's ruined. She's ruined for church. You know that, right? And I want to ruin you. There's no reverting. You can't revert. Once you taste the more God has, you can't go back. Do you understand? So now Catherine, who's young and beautiful and gifted and talented and pure, who's never bombed it and blown it to the degree that most all of us have, will now go to Baylor, which, trust me, there's going to be a lot of jacked up stuff at Baylor. 
It's any col- any university, even Christian colleges. For gonna- pick a Christian college. And if, if she's going to go and you're going to go or whatever it is God has for you, I want you so equipped and prepared. And it's going to happen in a little old obscure place like Corpus Christi, Texas, Flower Bluff, Texas, or the city that you live in, wherever you're watching from. There's, this is weighty. This is weighty, right? This is reality. This is important. God doesn't see as man sees. So when King Saul, or sorry, when David was ordained by Samuel, it says this. It says that the spirit of the Lord came on Saul, on David and left, the spirit of the Lord left Saul. So the spirit of the Lord came upon David. And when the spirit of the Lord left Saul, it says that a distressing demonic spirit came upon Saul. Okay, if you guys know that story, if not, you can go read it. So what happens is, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, this distressing spirit comes on, Samuel, on Saul. And one of Saul's either leaders or courtsmen or advisors has an idea. And the idea is, let's find somebody who can play skillfully, play the harp skillfully, so that when you're stressed out, he'll play, and that's, you'll be comforted, right? Now, I want to say to all of you, anybody that's not born again will be distressed. Anybody. Even if they seem happy, or they have it all together, or they have money, and they're peaceful, and we start comparing our lives, like, look at them. They don't suffer. That's what David did in Psalm 73, the wealthy, they're so much better than I am, and they're not suffering convictions and the hardships I'm having to go through. A lot of people don't want to come to the Lord because they want to be able to do whatever they want to do, and they don't, they don't want to feel any conviction. And in fact, before you came to the Lord, you had no conviction. I never thought twice about the things that I was doing. Now, some people, like my wife had conviction. She, she did, but I didn't. I was like, never thought twice that I wasn't doing the right thing. So somebody has an idea, divinely orchestrated by God, somebody somewhere that you don't know, God turns their hearts and says, hey, that Leroy and Danielle, I've been watching them. We're going through an extremely difficult time, but I've been seeing on Facebook how fired up they are, and I know I've watched them worship, and I think Leroy could really help me. Or I've, been, I've watched the change that happened in Katie's life and how much she's overcome and grown. And I see her at the gym. And that mama that's broken and hurting says, hey, Katie. I, get, I run into people all the gym. I can't tell you how many times my workout has been interrupted at the gym. And you know what? God says, are you going to let yourself get interrupted? I'm like, yes, I will. Because that person's life's more important than my physical workout. And so... Saul agrees for somebody to come who plays skillful. Now, I want to talk to you about being skillful. How Many of you, like my wife, she's like, I don't play any instruments, and I'm not musical at all. That's not true. When my wife has these outbursts of singing randomly, I'm like, now, trust me, we both don't sing very good. But it was the heart issue that came out of her. And I want to say to all of you, you may not be able to play a musician, but every one of you has an instrument. 
It's called a vocal box. And I don't care how, we'll turn the music up so that I don't have to hear how bad you sing. But it really doesn't matter to me. In fact, I'll take a bad singer that's got all heart than a good singer who doesn't even know the Lord and, and is leaning on their gift. Right? And so sing loud in the shower. Sing loud in the car. You know, we have a camper that we bought a while back in the back of our property. And I'm so glad that it's in the back of the property. Because you, I am like shouting, singing. I'm, I'm letting it out. I've been doing this for 28 years. And I'm not doing it because I got it all together. But I know that God's watching me there. And I want to be found and approved I want to be discovered. I want God to see. And I'm not doing it just for him to see, but I know he sees. And I'm like, I'm going to worship. So to be found skillful on an instrument, there's a whole message of that for musicians. They need to practice. They need to practice when no one's around. I don't want these worship leaders just performing on Sunday morning. They better be playing in the private. And their hearts better be for worship, not performance, or I don't want them on the stage. But that applies to all of us. David was found faithful in the private, and he was skilled. That's why I always worship, and I want to encourage you to always worship too. One of the words for skillful in the Hebrew is the word cunning. Now, cunning in the American English definition means to do what you're doing with deception. But biblically, cunning means to know. It's the same Hebrew word, yada, or yada. And it means to know or one who knows what to do and when to do it. It means to recognize, uh, it means to recognize where to go, how to play, what to play, and when to play. It means to be wise, perceptive, discerning, and not deceitful. So with our worship team, one of the things that we're shifting out of is being a cover band. And it's going to be hard for some of you because you want to sing your songs, and I get it. But we're not KBNJ. And I like KBNJ, but I can only listen to so much contemporary Christian music. And at some point, we have to find our own song. You have to find your own song. And so, like on Wednesday nights, man, Wednesday nights are, are, they're getting better and better and better. And it's a little bit tough with our first service because we only have so much time to worship. And when we move to the new sanctuary, we may start out with just one service. And we all, both services be together at one time. And gives us more time in worship. Like, I like the second service worship better than the first service. But I know that there's some people that just can't handle 45 minute to an hour worship. They just can't handle it. It's just too long. I just need, give me my nice CD, four, three songs, two, three fast, two slow, and let's be done with it. And God can even show up in that. Don't get me wrong. Our first service is nearly completely packed, by the way. And we understand there's people at different places. Some people want shorter worship, quicker worship. But not me. I like I like to hit the river and stay in it. I love worship. When I'm in worship, I'm like, it's like, man, it gets my eyes off me. I get to pause the craziness of my life. And it's all, it becomes all about him. 
it's a big pause and stop. And it's like, man, and then I'm just getting downloads from the Lord. God wants you to be a worshiper, guys. Nobody gets to pass, bypass being a worshiper. I'm just telling you right now. Worship is a vital part of the kingdom of God, and God looks for those who will worship him, John 4, 24, in spirit and in truth. Let's go to verse 18, and I'm going to close with this. Verse 18. 1 Samuel 16, 18 says that one of the servants answered and said, He said this to Saul, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. How many of you would like that to be a description of your your, your bio? (laughs) Come on, guys. You know when that's the best bio? When somebody else says it about you, right? It would not be good if I look and look and, man, you are so ham. You are, man, woo. You, now, I do affirm myself because I speak life through me, but I'm not like vain. I used to be vain when I was in high school. But I want you to notice that somebody else said that about David, and they described some things about David that he had never done. David had never fought in a military conquest but did he fight a lion and a bear did he have to protect the sheep did he have to learn to be skilled on his instrument when no one was watching so David was described by one of the king's servants as being a man of war skillful in playing prudent in speech meaning eloquent speaks well is wise where did all that come from the private secret hidden place. So when David had no idea who could be watching or seeing, and when it came time that the distressing spirit was on, on Saul, David had been anointed. How did David get anointed? God told Samuel, hey, there's a guy who's after my heart. I've been watching him. Go find him and anoint him. And that's how God does it with you. Promotion always comes from the Lord. But we learn to be prudent in speech and a man of valor. You know, I love the word valor. The word valor means to be bold and determined in the midst of great danger, especially in battle, to have heroic courage and to be brave. Come on, guys, be brave. God loves you. God cares for you. God's watching you. You're not stuck. You're never stuck, no matter what's going on. But until you get alone and quiet consistently with the Lord and in the private and work those things out with God, you'll always be fighting publicly a battle that you won't win. I love this about Jesus, Luke 2.52. I love this. It says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Before Jesus ever stepped on the scene from the age of 12 to 30, what did he do? No one saw it. In fact, we don't get any story of Jesus' life from 12 to 30. You know that, right? This is it. Now, you can fill in blanks. You can read between the lines. It's one of the things I love about the Chosen series 
it really reads between lines on Jesus' life, and it's very accurate in my opinion. I love it. I love the Chosen. If you haven't seen the Chosen series, go start with series uh, the first one, season one, and, just, and season two is coming out hopefully soon, but I think it's fantastic. Let's just declare this before I pray for you, and we're going to do one more worship song, and then I'm going to release you. Say, I must increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. God can do it. I know some of you feel like overlooked, and I, I get it, especially as our church is growing. Some of you feel like, where do I fit? Where's my part? Here's what I'll tell you to do. Feed God's sheep. Get involved. Get connected. Serve. For my whole Christian life, from the day I gave my life to the Lord, I was at church all the time. I served. I was on prayer partner teams, worship teams. I volunteered. I was at outreaches. I was flamed on. I preached everywhere I went. I was radically in love with Jesus. Did I make mistakes? Yes. Did I screw it up? Yes. But God continued to promote me. Why? Because I never gave up and I kept chasing after his heart. God will do it. I would say stop worrying about the promotion and get in preparation. Be found faithful when no one's watching. When that old lover of yours calls for that midnight booty call, shut it down. I'm just saying lovingly nicely. You know that secret guy or girl that you're not telling anybody about? All the time people come to me. Man, pastor, I didn't tell you this, but for the last seven months... I've had somebody on the side. First off, I go, well, I probably could have suspected that. Second of all, I'm so proud of you for finally telling me. No more delays. God will still love you. God will still take you. God still forgives you. Stop living in condemnation. Get into the light. Get into relationship. We got a lot more coming. We're going to build a school. I'm going to need teachers. We're going to be training, equipping a lot more outreaches, missions, nations. We're in training preparation time. This church, a good saying for this church would be, our time has not yet come. So let's turn some water into wine. How about that? And let's do it together. Be present. Worship. Get in the word. Get help. If you don't know how to read your Bible, tell someone. We're going to start Bible studies. We're going to start discipleship groups. We're going to have home groups. We're going to have training equipment. We're going to have parenting groups, finances, holistic, healing. We're starting all this. And I need you to be the teachers. I need teachers. You'll be the teachers and students. So the time is now. Let's say it. The time is now. Let's all stand. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you and release you. But before you go, (coughs) I want to give you the opportunity to come and lay things down. We did this last week and it was beautiful. If you've got hidden stuff, secret stuff, God is watching right now. I want you to give it up at the altar. Sin, uh, fear, worry, shame, insecurities, doubts, uh, lack of hunger and thirst. If you've been just all over the place and floundering around, come rededicate your life to the Lord today. Come and give him your very best today. And before you go, worship, okay? And when you walk out these doors, you're not alone. Say, I'm not alone. alone. God sees, he loves, he heals, he forgives. So we're gonna sing this song again. 
I'm going to pray for you. I'll release you. But if you'd like to come and have a moment at the altar or worship before you go, you're welcome to do that. And remember, I love you all so much. This Wednesday uh, will be First Worship Wednesday. And it's a night of just soaking and lingering and bring your journals, bring your Bibles, and let's worship together, all right? All right. So as I'm praying for you, you can come up. You're free to go. Take some time before you leave. And if you want somebody to pray for you, let's have my prayer partners come up, and then they'll pray for you if you'd like prayer, all right? Father, I thank you so much for this family. Thank you for everybody that took the time to be here today and that it was valuable time to you. Thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and your kindness. Thank you, God, that you never gave up, you never have, and you never will. And I pray for all of you that feel alone and isolated and hurting, been hurt by somebody, that there be forgiveness in your heart today and that you'd let them go and get, release them to the Lord. If you leave them at the altar today, that you give up those hidden things, trust God in every area of your life so you can be prepared for everything he has for you. So you can start making your way up to the front. If you'd like to leave something at the altar, you know you need to leave here. Prayer partners come up. If you need prayer, somebody will pray for you. I love you and I bless you and I dismiss you today. And I hope to see you on Wednesday.